Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We are going to be in three verses this morning. The Bible says in verse number six, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. If Paul is reminding Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then what does that tell us? We can all use some reminding. We can all use some reminding to stay active and get after it. We can all use some reminding to stay diligent and keep on going. If Paul hears it, if Paul says it, Timothy hears it, we all can use the reminder. And then the Bible says that thou stir up the gift of God. It's a gift of God. And people get excited about all types of physical gifts. Christmas time, people get gifts. Birthdays, people get gifts. And they're so, so excited about them. Usually after a week or two or a month or two, that gift can be found tucked away in the closet. And until it's brought out again in a unique way and the kids get stirred up about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then they can have fun with it again. It's like having all your stuff in storage. <laughs> and then when you can finally get it out. Whoa, I mean, that stirs you up. You get excited. It's like the best thing, right? Athletic gifts, musical gifts. Parents spend a lot of time and a lot of money on developing and stirring up their children's athletic gifts or their children's academic gifts or their children's musical gifts. And there's nothing wrong in and of itself of those things. And being coming from a martial art background, I teach my kids jujitsu and I want them to learn how to defend themselves. And I want them to have the confidence to be able to stick up for themselves and have the confidence to be able to say no and the confidence to all of that is great. And I got to stir it up in them. I got to train them. I got to go over it. I got to put them in situations where they can use them. And any parent that does that with academia, same thing. Let's take them to the spelling bee contest. Let's take them to the, for music, to the big concerto. And it's good for kids. Competition is good. It helps them learn how to deal with loss or this team won or that person beat me or here's what I have to work on. Oh, I'm nervous. Do I have to get in front of them really? And they get to work through those things. And that's a healthy, good thing to do. But what do we do as parents? What do we do as grandparents? What do we do as teachers? We stir it up. We stir it up. I don't want to practice piano, mom. Sit down and practice, <laughs> right? We stir it up for them. And so how about our spiritual gifts? I mean, if it's not like they're given to us by God or anything. Well, wait, wait, they are. They're given to us by God. And we want to get them stirred up. Your little boy gets saved, your little girl gets saved. Stir up their spiritual gifts the same way that we would stir up any other gift that they have. 
It's an important, important thing to do. And what is Paul saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here? Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that they'll stir up the gift of God. He's saying, look, we've got to do this. And then he says, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Back in 1 Timothy 4, we see, or we already saw, neglect not the gift. And now we see he's coming back to this gift um, that's given by God. And he's saying, look, you got to stir it up. Remember, we see it's of who? It's of God. He's the one who gives the gift. And you know what we do? Paul says in, back in 1 Timothy 4, he says, you, you're going to neglect it. And now he's coming back to this and he's saying in, in 2 Timothy, he's saying, look, I stir it up. Put thee in remembrance. You know what people do? We neglect it. We don't remember to see it. And so God says it needs to be stirred up. No matter who you are, I'm not a preacher. Well, you've got spiritual gifts. I'm not in church leadership. Well, you've got spiritual gifts. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. Well, you have spiritual gifts. He says, also back in 1 Timothy 4, he says, um, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And then in 2 Timothy 1, here he says, by the putting on of my hands. So which one is it? Well, it's both. Paul was part of the presbytery. He was one of the leaders that made that up. He took part in the ordination of Timothy. And when he says my hands, it could be, it could be. Now, this isn't happening now, but it very well could be. God gave Paul a special imparting to his hands. Maybe not, but maybe so. I don't know. It certainly could have been. Um, now let's move on. What does the Bible say in the next verse? Verse seven, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so here's the reminder. Here's how to get stirred up. Don't forget, Timothy, God did not give you the spirit of fear. And he's encouraging Timothy. And we all need encouragement. You've got the power of God. You've got the love of God. And you've got a sound mind given from God. You got the power to face your enemies. You got the power to triumph under persecution. You got the power to man up under trials. God is the God of all power. We need to stop trying to access everything through our own strength and through our own power and know that we don't have to have a spirit of fear because we've got the power of God. Supersedes our power. And then what else does it say? And of love. Nothing inspires a husband more than to know that his wife loves him. I've got no fear or no hesitation to march on boldly on something if I know that my wife loves me. I can look danger in the eye. I can look persecution in the eye if I know that my wife loves me. On the opposite side, the love from a husband can take a timid wife and it can make her bold for Christ. On a broader side, the, the love of a parent 
mother and father to their children can inspire and encourage them to take a bold stand for Christ. There's power in the blood, but there's power in the love. There really is to know that you are loved gives you the encouragement that you need to move on. You don't need to live in a spirit of fear. God is the God of all power. You've got that to access. And he loves you. The same way you would feel depressed about going to work or depressed about trying to take on a project because you know that your wife can't stand you. You just are bummed out for the whole day. You're bummed out for the whole week. You can't get your head right. But when you know she loves you, well, that wife knows her husband loves her. Oh, she's she's doing cartwheels around the kitchen. She's doing cartwheels. She's skipping around the backyard. She's loving it because why? She knows she's loved. She knows she's appreciated. Husband feels the same way. Children feel the same way. When they know that they are loved, when they know that they are appreciated, they're going to do their work more diligently. Not perfectly, but they are going to want to please in a genuine way. Are we children of the king? We can't forget. He loves us. He loves us. That encourages me to know that my heavenly father loves me. I don't have to have a spirit of fear. And then the Bible says, end of a sound mind. God didn't give you a distracted mind. He didn't give you a mind full of noise. He didn't give you an unbroken, a double-minded, or a diseased mind. He gave you a sound mind. Mark chapter 5, the man was had an unclean spirit, and he was possessed with a devil. And when, when Jesus was done with it, and then the people... They came and they wanted to see what happened and they came and saw. You know what the Bible says? They were afraid because he was sitting. He was clothed and he was in his right mind. The guy was a nut possessed with the devil, an unclean spirit. But when Jesus got done with him, completely changed. People see you. You're a Christian. You're saved. God gave you a sound mind we are here sitting praise god we are here clothed praise god we are here with a sound mind we've got a right mind and because of that we should be encouraged we don't have a mind that's messed up on drugs we don't have a mind that's messed up on alcohol we don't have a mind that's messed up with dirty pictures we don't have a mind that's messed up with all kinds of junk God has given us a sound mind. That encourages me to want to go on for him. Whatever we did before, God says, I got something better for you. I got better thoughts. I got a better way of thinking. Access it. Access it. He's got power. He's got love. He's got a sound mind. Let's use it. Use it. We got it. Next verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, Be not there, therefore, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. 
Be not thou therefore ashamed. You know, ashamed means you're affected by shame. You're confused by guilt. Your conscience is telling you that something is wrong. And shame does affect your character. Shame does affect your reputation. But for a Christian, there is no reason to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. If you, okay, a testimony, if you want to have a good testimony, don't be ashamed of who you are. You're a child of the king. You're born again. You're saved. You've got a right mind, a sound mind. You've got the love of God. You can access the power of God. And you've got the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can be ashamed of who you were. We all should be. That's why we got saved. Jesus Christ has a better life, an eternal life. You can be ashamed of what you did. You can be ashamed of who you used to be. But don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. All those things are gone. All those things are past. Now, you might have to deal with some consequences that come along with them here on earth. But as far as Jesus Christ is concerned, it's covered by the blood. We need to get our heads wrapped around this. And this is our first priority of, a, of importance. Ashamed. It's mentioned three to uh, four times in Timothy. Four times. And we're going to look at it from three different perspectives this morning. This will be the bulk of, of what I want you to key in on. Get Romans chapter number six. And the first perspective we're going to look at it is through salvation. The Bible says, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 20, the Bible says, For when we were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things, whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You want to be ashamed of something? It's your past. Who you were without Christ. What you did without Christ. Romans 9.33, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion, a stumbling block and rock of events. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Romans 10.11, for the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You know why you don't need to be ashamed now? Because you have a different testimony. You have the testimony of our Lord. And too many Christians get caught into, well, I used to do, I used to, I, this is what I did before. I don't know if I could ever do anything for God. I don't know if I'll ever be. You got to get that junk out of your head. We've all messed up. This isn't a message on go and mess up and then get saved. This is a message on we've all messed up. Everybody, to some degree, well, I haven't messed up as much as this person. Well, good for you. I don't want you to mess up as much as that person either. 
This isn't a message on go mess up really, really big because all the rest of us can say, well, we didn't mess up as much as you. It's not a message on that either. It's just to say that you got to take hindsight into consideration. You got to take life experience into consideration. You can't expect a guy that's been strung out on drugs to come in on into church and live up to everything. A, that we believe, B, that we do or see what the Bible actually says. It's an impossible task. There's no way. Should that guy be ashamed of his life? He should. Should he get saved? Yes. And then not be ashamed now of his testimony? Yes. Will he still have consequences? He certainly will. Does that mean we have him start preaching and, and leading the kids in Sunday school? We give him his own Sunday school class? Of course not. Of course not. But good night. He's messed up. As much as we've messed up. It's just that we haven't messed up quite that bad. So we're just a little bit better. And you know what? In some ways we are. Yeah, we've got a better life for you here in Christ, here at a local church. We do. But, brother, we were just as lost as you were, man. <laughs> we had just as much of a mess as you did. Thankfully, we didn't go that far. But going that far doesn't exclude you from coming to the Savior and getting saved and getting plugged in at a local church and doing something. Can I preach next Sunday, preacher? Well, no, you're not going to do that, but why don't you come on out and maybe start with passing a track out? <laughs> How about witnessing to the waitress instead of checking her out next time you go to the diner? Start with that, buddy. Do you see the balance? Do you see where we need to kind of take both sides and then bring them into a biblical filter so that we can function. Bible says in Romans chapter one, let's turn there. Familiar passage, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the gospel Paul preached. It's the gospel that Timothy believed and preached. It is the power of God. Preaching, it's accomplished by the power of God. The new birth is accomplished by the power of God. A life transformed is by the power of God. Why would you be ashamed of your gospel testimony of salvation? You shouldn't be. There's no reason to be. You've got power of God, before you were saved, before you heard the gospel, before you heard anything about Jesus Christ, you weren't ashamed to fill in the blank. And you know how many people go out drinking? They're not ashamed of it. You know how many people go out fornicating? They're not ashamed of it. You know how many college parties and students do a bunch of junk that they're not ashamed of now? But guess what? If or when they get saved, they're going to look back. They should be ashamed of that. But they shouldn't be ashamed of their gospel salvation testimony.
There was a power you walked in. We're in time past. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But I don't know that. Don't fall under that power. My opinion is why most Christians don't pass out tracts. They don't knock on doors. They don't do personal evangelism. They don't want to really get out there. They don't want to get involved. They're ashamed of their testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how many turn on football or go to a football game, baseball, go to a baseball game, name all the sports. Go to one of their uh, games. Do you know how fanatic they are? They got the jersey. They got the name on the back of the guy that they love who doesn't even know who they are and can care less about them and isn't paying their bills. But their dad's a dope. I mean, that's the generation of, you know, 15 to 25-year-olds nowadays. They're yelling and screaming. Yeah, get the touchdown. This isn't a message against sports. This is a message against you're not ashamed of something that has no eternal value at all. But to get excited about Jesus saves, to get excited about opening your mouth and lifting your voice to let somebody know, it's because we're ashamed. Go to a concert. And, you know, the Rolling Stones are a perfect example. The drugs don't always kill you. They can have a bit of a preserving effect. (laughs) How are those guys still on tour? Mick Jagger, it's almost like drugs were a good thing for him. It just, like, keeps everything. I don't know how they can keep going, but they do. And people in their 40s and 50s are going on there and they're just, you know, rocking out like it was. <laughs> the denim jacket don't quite fit like it used to. Have, buddy. I mean, <laughs> it's a bunch of old bogeys going and they're still excited about that. They're still not ashamed of that. And Christians get so complacent. We need to get stirred up so much. But a Mick Jagger fan, all he has to know is tickets went on sale, man. I'm taking off work. We're partying. But why don't we get that excited about doing something for Jesus Christ? Well, I'm not called to be a preacher. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an everyday Christian getting excited and not be ashamed. Don't be afraid that your friends will see you. Don't be afraid that your family will see you. Don't be afraid that your workmates will see you. Don't be ashamed that somebody might say, oh, you go to that church? I almost thought about calling our church that church. (laughs) Just call it that church. But my pastor and my friends said, no, that's another one of your dumb ideas. But I thought that'd be a pretty cool name. That Baptist church. <laughs> yeah, you mean the ones that you, you. Let's be the church that isn't ashamed to tell people about Jesus Christ. If it's a track, 
if it's a personal event, a witness where you're actually telling them, yes, you need to be concerned. Yes, you are a sinner. If it's open air preaching done boldly, yet gently and humbly. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. You can praise God for all eternity. Why are we ashamed to do it now? We shouldn't be. Number two. The Bible says, nor of me is prisoner. We shouldn't be ashamed of number two, our association. Don't be ashamed of the people God used to bring you the gospel of Christ. God used people in my life the same way he used people in your life. God used a, a father and a little boy that went to a contemporary Christian church that got saved the same way I got saved, the same way you got saved. They didn't have the King James Bible. They didn't have conservative music. They had no dress standards. But they were just as saved as I was about to be. And God used that family. And he used someone else who isn't in church now. And he used someone else who is now divorced and is in and out of church. And guess what? They're just as saved as I am. They trusted Jesus Christ as our salvation. They didn't lose their salvation. Now you can say they're backslidden. You can say they're doing things wrong. You can say, I don't agree with that. You can say all those things and fine. Maybe they're true. Fine. But you know what? They are going to be praising the same Savior in the same heaven, and they have the same salvation that I do and you do. Don't be ashamed of your association. And I believe Paul really had a grip on what prevents young Christians or any Christian from identifying themselves in a public way with the testimony of Christ. I think he really had a grip on this. I think he had a grip on what it was and what it still is. And it's in verse 7. Natural timidity. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And yes, victory is yours over your fears. That's the reality. And the reality is you can access the power of God. And that will give you the boldness and encouragement you need, even against a bold enemy. Let's get Titus 2 and Jude 13. Titus 2.8, we'll do that one first. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You know who should be ashamed? The other guy, <laughs> not you. No reason for you to be ashamed of your testimony at all. Jude 13, raging waves of the sea. Foaming out 
their own shame. Wandering stars to whom in reserve the blackness of darkness forever. No reason for you to be ashamed. Timothy wasn't ashamed of Paul. Paul suffered humiliation. Paul's in chains. Paul's in prison. Timothy's not ashamed of his association. We shouldn't be ashamed of ours either. Third thing, last thing, you shouldn't be ashamed of. The Bible says, we're back in 2 Timothy, verse number 8. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Not a verse just for preachers. We should all be involved in the work of the Lord. In some capacity, every Christian here, Pilgrim Baptist, should be involved in some work of the ministry. Everybody can't teach Sunday school. Everybody can't play the piano. Everybody can't preach. Everybody can't fill in the blank. But everybody can do something. Yes, even the guy or even the gal that comes in and has a messed up life and wants to get right and wants to fellowship and get saved. Yes, they can play a part in the ministry. And maybe it's for the young fella cleaning the bathrooms first, helping set up, helping print tracks. Everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. No one should be excluded because God wants us involved. Number three, we shouldn't be ashamed of our work. I'm working for the Lord now. By the way, that doesn't mean quit our jobs. That means we worked before we were saved. And then we did other work that had nothing to do with eternal reward. Now, when we get saved, we still keep our jobs. And the work of the ministry is, okay, now we're doing additional. We're transferring what we used to live for outside of work to now what we do live for. You don't get saved and then decide, yes, I'm spiritual now, so I'm going to go witness to everybody for eight hours instead of working. That's a surefire way to get fired, <laughs> right? That's not what the Bible's teaching. We should have work of the ministry that everybody can get involved in. And guess what? You're going to get kicked back from the enemy, and you're going to face some trials, and you're going to face some objections. Let's get Philippians chapter 1. I don't even know who won the Super Bowl this year, but I know it just happened. Um, didn't it happen in February? Right? So somebody won. And the quarterback on that team, the fans have all the stats on that quarterback. And if the opposing side were to make fun of that team and say that quarterback's no good, 
that guy would be into a 20-minute discussion over, there's no way, man, that quarterback, you see, he would go on and on and on, and they would oppose back because he's not ashamed of his quarterback. He's going to step up, and he's not taking any kickback from anybody. He's going to defend his quarterback, who doesn't know him, doesn't send him any money, and doesn't pay him to do any of his PR work, yet he's madly in love with this guy that runs around in tights. <laughs> but Philippians 1.29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. He laughed at me when I offered him a track. How about just suffer for his sake? He 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 shouted in my face. He spit at me. <laughs> and we kind of think that that's suffering for his namesake until we really realize what real suffering and affliction is. In the same way, someone gets excited about a sports team and then the opposing side is going to battle back and forth. I came from South Jersey. The big rivalry was, um, you were a Philadelphia Eagle fan or you were an enemy of God. <laughs> and when the Dallas Cowboys came to, to Vet Stadium, now Lincoln Financial Field, you were an enemy of all that is good upon the green earth if you came with Dallas Cowboys um, jersey. And they'd be, they'd be guys, you know, they get enough beers in them, they'll do it. And they will get, I mean, they'll be, they have enough police to make sure that a riot doesn't happen before tailgating. And then um, obviously enough security in the building so that all the guys mocking him don't beat him up. That's their job. And no one's coming into our town and giving us any kickback because we're kicking back harder. And if Christians would just get some of that Philadelphia feeling, it would be we could really turn the world upside down. But there's a there's a principle there. There's a concept there that says, you know what, let's not be ashamed of our testimony of Christ and the work we have to do it for him and our associations. We aren't ashamed of that, and we can see that in the world. Those people are not ashamed of their team. And by the way, if you have a favorite team, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a favorite team. I'm just saying that the same way you get zealous for that team and defend with all the stats you know, defend with all the scripture power that God gives you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, um, uh, you don't have to turn there, um, but get, well, get 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Get that. Before we get that, know that 2 Timothy 2 says, you should be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. 1 Peter 4 says, if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. That's how you handle it. You glorify God. Now look, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13. Therefore, we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. For if I have boasted anything of him to you, I am not ashamed. 
But as we spake all things to you in truth, even so our boasting, which I made before Titus, is found a truth. He's not ashamed of his association with Titus. But notice also he's careful to qualify that he wants to make sure that it's grounded in truth. And that's what we want to be careful of as well. I want to praise and brag on my church family. And I want to praise and brag on the kids we have here and all that's starting to happen. And 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 I do. I'm not ashamed of who we are. And I'm not ashamed of our the associations that we have with each other. And my hope and prayer is that you folks and the folks that come aren't either. But just like Timothy and Titus, we need to be careful that it's grounded in truth. So if someone has to come to me and want to make sure they understand a truth or want to make sure I've got a truth or I want to come to you and make sure you understand a truth, and you're grounded in truth. That's the that's the glue. We should be grounded in that in truth. And we shouldn't throw our associations away so quickly. If there's a misunderstanding, there's a disagreement. Oh, I see this a different way. We all have the fundamentals down. We all we all been saved long enough to know a lot of stuff, right? We got to be careful that we get a good balance on that. Um, last thing, let's get Second Corinthians nine. With our work for the Lord, we shouldn't be ashamed to give. We shouldn't be ashamed to give our time. We shouldn't be ashamed to give our money. We shouldn't be ashamed to give our gifts. We shouldn't be ashamed to give our talents. You know how many people are... I've, come, I've been in small churches. I've been in big churches. I've been in big churches that have a lot of people that are musically gifted, that actually have a platform to, they're allowed to use the gifts that God has given them. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to hear people play for the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean you just throw anybody up there. You have a teenage family of mom and dad that comes in with a teenage family and their daughter runs around, and does all a bunch of junk and has all these pictures posted on Facebook. And now she wants to come in and sing for the Lord. Well, how about live a little bit for the Lord before we put you up front? OK, we're not talking about that. We're saying we let's let's give everybody an opportunity. And then I've been in small churches where um, people do have gifts. That they don't give. For the work of the ministry and for the Lord. And I was convicted about that. Years back when I'm not the greatest guitar player, but God has gifted me to be able to do that. I have that talent. And an older Christian kept asking me and prodding me. And I finally got convicted over it and said, you know what? I don't need to be the best guitar player. God doesn't care anyway. He wants me to do it for him. And I grew from that. Now, if I was in an environment where, well, you're just not good enough. You can't play. Well, that's not healthy. But if I'm in an environment where an older Christian who's saying, oh, Brother Jimmy, you really should think about it. Okay. I know you don't want to, but just, just pray about it. I've been praying for you. I really think you should consider doing it, Brother Jimmy. And then after a couple of months of that, I mean, shouldn't that the way it ought to be? Shouldn't people be encouraged 
rather than forced in or forced out of something. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look what, look what Paul says very confidently. Verse number 3, Yet have I seen the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, you may be ready, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. He's basically saying, look, to these Macedonians, the, these Corinthians, they're going to give. They're not ashamed of their of their work, and we shouldn't be either. I shouldn't have to say, yeah, my folks are ashamed to do anything. They don't want to give their talents. They don't want to give their time. They don't want to give their energy. They don't want to give their money. They don't want to give any type of help. And you shouldn't, I wouldn't want you to say that about me. Yeah, Brother Jimmy, he just wants to take, 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 take. The Christian life, Paul's hanging out with the Macedonians and he's saying, look, when we get there, you can, I can feel confident. These Corinthians, they're going to give. <laughs> they're going to have some money ready. And we should have the same attitude. Look, you guys are going to, I'm going to take you over to Pilgrim Baptist. I'm telling you, it's a giving group of people. They'll help you out. They'll, 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 they'll give as much as they can give to get you where you need to be. And giving isn't just about money. Giving is a lot more than money. You know how easy it is for some people to just write a check for stuff? I mean, you get a rich businessman who's never been married, never had kids, and all he's got is the responsibility of himself. It's pretty easy for him to just write a check. He can be completely emotionally attacked, disattached. God wants us to give our emotions, our time, our talents, our gifts. He wants us to teach children and those that are around us the same thing. We shouldn't be ashamed to give. We shouldn't be ashamed. That kind of falls under the work of our ministry. We shouldn't be ashamed of our associations. And we should not, no matter what, be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the gospel of salvation. No reason to be. No reason to be. All right, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you so much for saving our soul. Help us to not be ashamed. Help us to not be ashamed of who we are in you our associations with our Christian brothers and sisters and the work you have us do for you, Lord. Help us to apply this this week in our lives. We ask your blessing over our fellowship. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.